wrapping up the discordant dating series there is a lot to take away from the episodes that we've done interviewing people who have not shown symptoms of hsv or tested positive or who are unaware of their status uh who've dated people who were positive for herpes and disclose their status to them you get to see the insights of the people who were disclosed to and then had to make a decision. You kind of hear what influenced their decisions and it generally revolves around how attracted someone is to the person who's disclosing. And that attraction goes beyond physical and beyond, okay, well, if we have sex and it's possible that I'm going to also have the condition that you have. No, it's about the emotional connection and sometimes how we disclose to a partner influences how a person receives that and it can influence their level of attraction to us and how emotionally connected we're able to be. So these are some things that really influence that and I'm thankful to the uh, podcast listeners who've reached out to past partners and current partners and invited them into this space to share their experience because I think that this will be useful to anyone who's getting ready to share their status with someone or anyone who has been disclosed to and just wants to know how people who don't have herpes navigate dating someone who does. So I am really hopeful that this is something that can be impactful to people who stumble across it. And while we're talking about impact and stumbling, y'all know I've been on my kinky stuff lately <laughs> because I have been on Beducated uh, video library for sex education resources. If you go to beducate.me slash SPFPP and then enter that promo code SPFPP at checkout, you will be able to get not only a free trial for all Beducated courses, but you will also be able to join from just $9.99 per month. And um, the library of resources and courses are insane. I mentioned that I watched the Lola Jean Pegging video, the uh, or videos, um, the Dirty Talk with Marla Renee Stewart. Um, I also got to finish up the dominance and submission for playing with power dynamics. And I got to learn some stuff. I got to implement some things, if you will, as well. Um, and put them into practical use. I'm trying to be professional in saying that, yes, I used some of the stuff that I learned. And I think that myself and my partners have been really enthusiastic about those things as well. And um, I also watched the threesomes course. This was the most recent one. I know that I said that I was going to check that out. So it was really cool to just, again, I, I mentioned this in the previous ads, that consent, communication, these are all very important parts. And uh, more than anything, like being on the same level of communication so that everyone is able to go into it, knowing what their uh, expectations are, and then be able to understand that there is uh, space for communication to occur throughout the threesome. Also taking breaks if needed, being able to say that if you are sensing that someone's feeling left out, being able to bring that up. And what's cool is that I got to watch a threesome happen. It was a uh, uh, MFM, MFM? No, I'm sorry, FMF. MFF. It was a threesome where there was a guy and two women. There was one penis, two vulvas, and it was cool. Like it was an educational, uh, ethical porn that I watched while um, 
getting some education. There were a couple of videos just introducing the concept and different ways to go about it and setting expectations. And then I got to watch some porn. And in conclusion, I got to also, uh, they had like a pillow talk session afterwards where they just talked about what they liked and how, um, the how they felt throughout certain parts of it because you can watch you can kind of see where somebody may have felt left out and how that was handled so to be able to watch it with the intention of learning and being educated i think it was about 24 minutes so uh i mean if y'all watch y'all watching stuff on netflix you can watch a 24 minute threesome for the sake of education purposes if that's something that you're into so um i can't wait to put more of what i'm learning through beducated to use and again that is beducate.me slash spfpp you can go straight to the link in the episode show notes uh, and just be sure to use that code SPFPP uh, at checkout so that you can join Beducated and pay what starts at $9.99 a month. And that's 65% off of the yearly pass when you use my promo code SPFPP. I hope that you enjoy Beducated. I hope that you enjoy this podcast episode and uh, continue to please like, rate, review, subscribe to and share this podcast. Like doing that is what keeps us um, being able to be found by other people and create that sense of allyship, not just from within ourselves, but also uh, extending outside of the communities of people who are living with herpes. And again, support our sponsors if you can, and if you find any of their products and services useful, because that is how you can also support something positive for positive people and support me. I hope you enjoy the conclusion of the Discord and Dating series. And let me know what you think. Thank you. Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that connects people navigating herpes stigma to resources. These resources include community support as well as mental health services if anyone is in fact struggling with the stigma of a herpes diagnosis. If you go through and listen to the podcast episodes, you'll find different tools for navigating a diagnosis, dating, disclosure, navigating relationships, and most recently at this point, our toolkit, if you will, on discordant dating. Uh, that whole series is just a few podcast episodes where I've interviewed people who've just dated people who have herpes and haven't shown symptoms or tested positive themselves. So this episode is going to be the conclusion of that series, um, as this will be the Last of uh, people who've reached out in response to my ad, and this was great. My ad, it wasn't an ad, it was just a post. <laughs> so um, I'm grateful to everyone who's reached out so far. I hope that this has been a useful series for everyone if you've gone through and listened to all of them. And my intention overall is for even someone who doesn't have herpes, if you're interested in dating someone and you're not really aware of what the risks are, you don't know what questions to ask yourself or what to think about, then I hope that you were able to find your way. Way here and that these conversations are able to help you making as informed of a decision as you can considering being in a space that you may be unfamiliar with because you might not have been disclosed to before. So thank you for wanting to do the work and take the time to invest in listening to this. All right, Jesse, uh, what are your pronouns? Uh, I identify as he, him. All right. Now, 
you are someone who responded to the social media post, and I am so grateful. Um, thank you for doing that. Let me start with uh, how'd you find out about this? Because typically people don't follow me if they don't have herpes. So how'd you how'd you get uh, in contact with me? So I actually saw your post on a friend's story, um, and she had posted. You know, obviously you have great resources. Give this a look. Um, and I read through your post and was like, wow, okay, um, here's somebody talking about something really positive, something that I have uh, on my mind constantly and something that I try to address with people whenever it feels appropriate. Um, and so, yeah, I shot you a message, was like, yeah, uh, let me speak a little bit about my experiences and, you know, maybe what I have encountered, maybe the culture I've grown up in, uh, that kind of thing. Like, if I can help add to this, then I would love to. Thank you. I appreciate that. What's interesting is the previous interviewees, their significant other who has herpes, uh, sort of like nudged them, if you will. One, <laughs> one guy he said, uh, he's like, yeah, my, 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 my girl came in here and she was like, you're going to do this. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad to hear that this was just something that you wanted to be a part of. Like you caught it, you know, in passing on someone's Instagram story and you wanted to step up and, I use the phrase show allyship uh, because that appears to make the most sense, uh, for lack of better terminology. But yeah, just showing allyship to combating stigma. Um, so this friend, like, are y'all friends or you just follow this person on social media? Is this someone that you yeah. are aware uh, We've been friends for a hot minute, but we haven't been like, you know, super close or anything. Um, but I just found that post in and of itself to be... Um, I don't know, like, it takes a lot of courage to post something like that to all of your followers. You know, it wasn't just on a, a close friends list. It was just to everyone. And so, um, you know, that I instantly was like, oh, either this person is, you know, very connected to this topic or they are someone who's living with herpes. And so it just felt right, you know, to be able to take that initiative. And yeah, that's a, yeah. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, and always, you know, I, whenever people share things like I'm always like, yes, hell yeah. Like that is so exciting. People often commend me for my bravery or my courage, but I let everybody know like it's not bravery. It's not courage. It's privilege. I have the privilege of being open about of being able to be open about my herpes status and connect with people in this way, whereas other people may experience stigma and in a way that might um it may jeopardize their livelihood. There are people who work in education and there's people who work in office settings where being stigmatized is essentially, it's potentially um, something that can negatively impact their income, their way of living. So I'm fortunate enough to have like nestled my way into this sexual health education field, if you will. Um, so yeah, whenever people share things, like I'm always super, super grateful because they spark things like this and where we're going to go with this conversation. I don't know, but I know that it's going to be something that is useful to the people who come across it. So uh, thank you again for being here. I want to start with just asking you, um, have you you've dated people who have herpes um what was the first time that someone shared their positive hsv status with you and how'd that go um so the first time i was a bit younger and it was something people can probably relate to as one of those heat of the moment uh you know conversations and it was a little 
conversations about it. Um, and I ended up, you know, having that conversation, uh, consenting and just kind of like figuring out, you know, what, like how to be safe in this situation, but it wasn't like a, you know, committed partner. So I didn't, we didn't continue that conversation more. It was just like, you know, we can safely hook up. This isn't going to be, um, you know, the, the chances of transmission is like very slim at this point. Um, you know, there's medication involved, there's protection involved. Um, and then it was just a fun time. And that kind of like was the first experience that just made me realize like, Oh, okay. Um, you know, I go get tested, uh, regularly anyway. And so, um, just adding that to the list, um, wasn't like a problem. I will say I was pretty, you know, a little shook for like afterwards, like the more I started thinking about it. Um, because like, I mean, I already have oral herpes and so having that breakout was already a traumatic experience for me. Um, and so, you know, I guess like, yeah, with that first individual, um, it was just a little, it was a little different. It was, you know, something new, right. Um, but also something that comes with possibly, uh, a life altering thing afterwards, you know? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was that was experience one. It wasn't anything too crazy, but it was just kind of like breaking the ice, you know. Yeah, uh, I'm curious because I'm sure this is a question that people listening may have as well. Did you not experience any stigma having oral herpes, uh, or was there anything like? Did you disclose to people I have oral herpes? Here's what we need to talk about. Like how how was that for you? So I feel some type of way about uh, the situation for sure. Um, the thing is, I didn't know for a very long time because most people don't know. Um, and it's insanely common. And the biggest problem is that people just talk about it like it's a canker sore. You just have a canker sore. You just have a canker sore. No, you have herpes. <laughs> like, you know, and that's that's the, the big problem. Um, so I didn't know um, until I had a stress breakout and my mouth was covered. It was all the way down my throat. I thought I was dying. Like it was, it was bad. There were probably 20 sores altogether. And I had to go to a wedding two days later. Uh, yep. And all of those homies are very, very close. Um, and I was so embarrassed and so disgusted in myself, you know, uh, dealing with that situation. Not a single person said a thing. Um, and that almost made it worse <laughs> for me. Um, but it was very visible. I had to go to work you know, for the next week as well. And, um, nobody said anything, which was very interesting to me because I have heard many people make comments about other people. Um, and you know, and so I, it kind of ties in, we were talking about this before the podcast started the whole stigma with men versus women. And in like, you know, some social groups with men, there's a lot of like, oh, well, she has herpes, you know, oh, like it's like a negative thing. It's a way to like put someone down, put a woman down or something. Um, I had heard plenty of that growing up. Uh, and then all of a sudden here I am with herpes, not a damn person saying anything. And that just struck me as really weird. Uh, you know, it kind of fucked up, not gonna lie. Uh, so, but yeah, after, after that whole thing, um, you know, the diagnosis, then it became very important. I went and talked to my doctor and honestly, that was the biggest change and that kind of is what set me on this path of understanding is that when she told me that it could be one of many things right it, i could break out consistently i could break out maybe never again um you know it made me start or realize that like okay um this is just 
from that point forward, I've always disclosed with partners. Uh, you know, it's always been like a, hey, you may not think a cold sore on your mouth is a big deal, but you'll definitely think it's a big deal if it's on your genitals. So let's, you know, be very open about this. And there is a very strict amount of time, even after that cold sore is gone, you know, that, you know, we're playing it safe. Um, of course, with oral herpes, people are much more willing to, you know, be physical, like mouth to mouth. Um, you know, I found a lot of people are okay. Or I find people that have never told anyone in their life that they also have it. And they're like, wow, thank you for telling me. Like, I have it too. I've always been really nervous. Other partners have put me down, you know. And so, like, that's always been a really nice thing. And I, I honestly, think that, honestly think that disclosure is one of the, like, most gratifying, you know, experiences. Because you find people. You find people that are really quality. People who have been through some serious shit. Um, and you connect, you know. I think that's really nice. So yeah. And that's something that we've covered in this series as well, or that comes up consistently for sure, in that this is an opportunity to connect. It is a vulnerable piece of information that may come with something that aligns with stigma. And it's often challenging for some people to talk about based on whatever traumatic associations or emotions or thoughts come with saying the words, I have herpes, right? Now, when this person uh, disclosed to you, was this before your oral herpes outbreak or was it after? Uh, this was after. Okay. And so how was the conversation? What was your comfort level with uh, sexual activity, knowing that you have herpes orally with someone who has herpes genitally? Um, comfort level was actually kind of mid-tier just because it was, you know, uh, a Tinder hookup. So there was no real connection there, right? Like, it was just one of those, um, like, hey, you're attractive. You think I'm attractive? Like, we're just going to have some fun. Um, so the, the other thing for me is, like, disclosing with, like, oral herpes and not being in full outbreak. Like, it's, it's good to let somebody know if there is, especially possibly going to be a continued connection, right? Because there's going to be a time where we need to stop. Um, so my cover level is already kind of mid tier, uh, like battling with like, do I need to tell this person? Um, you know, and this is still early on in my like, you know, mid twenties. And it was like, I don't know if I need to. And then she disclosed to me and it was like, okay, well now it's like fair game. Like I'm just going to disclose as well, have that conversation. Um, and not going to lie. Like at that time I saw my version of herpes as less, you know, dangerous. You know, and so like I actually compared the two and put them on a tier list and saw myself as being almost higher uh, or not higher, but like less risk than like that individual. Um, and so I was nervous, even though there was a chance I could pass something along, you know, so like thinking back on that and, you know, contemplating on just that experience itself. Uh, I was very uneducated still, <laughs> very young. <laughs> What kind of information did your doctor give you? You said that y'all talked about it and that was something that helped. Uh, I'd like to know what they shared that you found to be most useful. So the first thing that alleviated any kind of stress was her letting me know that a high percentage of uh, like humans in general have it already and most just don't know. And a lot of people contract it as a child. And when she explained that, you know, you look at toddlers, they're putting everything in their mouth. They're literally pick, picking up rocks, you know, um, and 
just literally putting anything in your mouth that's been connected. And I was like, damn, well, when I was super poor, I used to pick up cigarettes off the ground. Maybe that's what it was, right? Like, you know, I was like, damn, like, okay, I put myself at risk a lot of times not thinking about, you know, what could happen. But um, she, you know, also gave me a lot of information about how it can be passed from parents, you know, and how a lot of parents actually give it to their kids when they're younger. Um, and then I thought about my parents, like, you know, my parents kissed me on the lips by forever. You know, I was like, dang, well, what about that? Like, you know, it just like kind of started to make me think and it made me feel like I wasn't entirely alone uh, in the situation. Um, and then the other big part was when she explained uh, just kind of the, the scale of outbreaks, like how it can how it can be throughout the rest of my life. Like it could be, I mentioned this earlier, it could be one, you know, outbreak for the rest of my life and then I could never show again. It could be, you know, one, twice a month um, or it could be, you know, once, twice a year. Um, and then the final thing that I actually found very uh, fascinating and led me to do more research was she let me know that there are triggers. And the triggers are a big part of, not, like, me paying attention to what I'm doing in my life and my health. Um, and so that was actually, that set me on a, a you know, an adventure of, of research and finding out, and I found some uh trigger foods later on in my life, um, things that are high in acidity. And then also I started to manage my stress a bit better um, because the stress outbreaks have always been the worst one. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, it was just a really calm uh, conversation, um, you know, and it made me feel much better. I mean, I left, I was expecting her to be like, here's some antibiotics and we're going to send you off this place or whatever. And she was like, no, you're good. <laughs> Man. It was so chill. Yeah, I, I like that response. It seems like your doctor was more comfortable talking about herpes orally than genitally because so many people are just given the medication, maybe a statistic pamphlet or something, and then sent on their way. But you got an engaged healthcare provider who was willing to talk to you about managing stress, speak to outbreaks, talk about um, managing the symptoms, a lot of things that maybe doctors just aren't comfortable associating with when it comes to sex. So was your doctor the one who initiated this conversation or did you ask any particular questions or what? Um, initiate the conversation about just about the added information. So it wasn't like oh. they were just like, here, you have herpes. Here's how many people have it. Right, right. Here's some medication. It was a much more detailed dialogue. And I'm curious yeah. to know, like, how did that happen? Because it's so it's foreign to me. Oh, OK. Yeah, um, that was actually all her doing. She was the one who actually initiated that conversation and started uh, providing me with the information I needed. I'm sure she could tell I was also, you know, very, very terrified at the moment. Um, you know, and this is like before we were all wearing masks, <laughs> like shit, life would have been a whole lot different, you know, um, but yeah, uh, I don't know, <laughs> right, it's kind of, it's kind of sketch, um, I don't know if it has anything to do with it, but, um, the type of doctor she is, is a naturopath or naturopath, so she has a different perspective on a lot of things, um, when it comes to health, and she's not going to just prescribe me some over-the-counter drug, you know, then get like a little bit of a, make a little bit of cash because here I am another statistic, right? And so um, she has been my doctor for a while and she always lets me know there are options if you want them, but it's best for us to wait and for us to kind of like, you know, take note of this 
my experience with her is that we, whenever there's something going on, we take time to analyze what's going on, uh, you know, within my body before there is something prescribed. So, yeah, I definitely, she's a great doctor. Uh, and it's makes me sad to hear that that's not the experience that a lot of people get. You know, I, I don't even go to doctors very often. And when I found her, I was like, well, <laughs> so... All right. Thank you for sharing that. I want to encourage people, I guess, at this point to explore your options. You know, we talk about the medical community on this podcast. I've interviewed medical professionals and mental health professionals and people who've had great experiences with their healthcare provider and poor experiences with their healthcare provider. And all we can really do to assess that is invite curiosity into the conversation. So being able to ask these kinds of questions and see where your doctor or nurse's general knowledge is around whatever it is that you're bringing into the room at that moment. You know, it might be hard to filter through the emotions that you may be experiencing and get it out before you're rushed out of the room. But what are our options as far as exploring different kinds of doctors? You know, we think that I have a doctor means that you don't need to shop around for a new one. If I got somebody that cuts my hair and he fucks my shit up one time, I'm going to look for a new barber. So it's the same thing here as far as looking for a new doctor goes. But I just wanted to add that in there to close that out. Now, what has your... Uh, sexual health communication been um, moving forward from having um, learned that oral herpes are herpes, cold sores are herpes, and that uh, someone had disclosed to you about their genital herpes and then having had the experience where your friends knew that you had this oral herpes outbreak and while having talked shit before uh, on people with herpes, now you're in their circle and they don't say anything. I'm curious to know how you navigated any dialogue around your sexual health or with even sex period with potential partners. Um, so it took me a couple of years actually to become more confident in conversation. And during that time, it was mostly me just um, digesting the conversation around me. Right, and paying attention because once I realized that I was a part of the stigma and now it was being, it was almost like it was ignored. Like it, it became odd. And so um, it wasn't until I actually started dating a long-term partner that had uh, genital herpes that I started to become more outspoken. Um, I had slowly started a little bit here and there because, um, you know, in the community I was in, I smoked cigarettes back then a lot. And so people would share cigarettes and that was a big thing for me. I was like, Hey, I have a cold sore right now. I actually have a herpes outbreak. Like, you know, you don't want one of these cigarettes. And you know, people would be like, you know, as housemates and stuff. They're like, Oh yeah, well, I probably have it too. Like whatever, man. Like, you know, that kind of shit. It's like, all right, well, um, and so it wasn't really a good jump off point, you know, have that conversation. But, um, as years passed and once I was actually, you know, dating that person and had, uh, a much more extensive conversation uh, and I started to realize more and more that people just avoid the topic uh, it became something where I, I realized if I just have confidence when I talk about this conversation I might actually get a reaction from someone or a response from someone who's been wanting to talk about this and actually start a conversation and other people might hear this conversation and I, I, I it was something that ended up actually working you know some people would join in in this conversation uh, you know, about just like the stigma of herpes, uh, 
teammates and maybe they weren't you know comfortable having that conversation but it felt really good to be able to um i guess just have a positive outlook in public you know instead of just talking about things behind closed doors um and so that's that's kind of been the path forward at this point and kind of the experience when it comes to conversation about it uh, my take yeah talking about this out loud publicly where people could potentially overhear is challenging and even for me being somebody who is open about my herpes status i find that it's easier for me to do alone but if i'm out with friends if i'm on a date and the conversation comes up and someone overhears i'm like worried about that other person that's with me i'm like oh i have to now tell these people that i have herpes they may make assumptions you may be stigmatized it's a lot easier to do now at age 33 than it was when i was 24 25 26 or mid 20s late 20s even simply because i think there comes something with age perhaps confidence maturity or maybe you just learn that People don't really give a fuck. And a lot of times, like, they may not even be listening. And it's just like you said, sometimes people may get silent or they may be a little bit uncomfortable or they're just like digesting what it is that was just said because it's completely foreign to have this kind of dialogue or conversation, especially so freely and openly because we're, quote, not supposed to do that. Especially because we also learn like while we're not talking about sex or we're not taught really about sex and the pleasure piece, it's sort of like this gets tucked away and it goes into the darkness, into the shadows. And then we get into adulthood and there are just like the sparks of it because we see it in movies. We see it everywhere. But for whatever reason, we're not fucking supposed to talk about it. How as backwards is that? So we think that sex is supposed to just happen between uh, someone with a penis and someone with a vulva. They make eyes and then they kiss. And then next thing you know, clothes are off and sex is had. Like how sex is portrayed in movies in media is not the reality of it and us not talking to it about or talking to youth about it and giving them the tools and communication skills that they need in order to navigate it is causing far more harm than it is 
good by, quote, protecting them from the dangers of sex. And when I say the dangers of sex, I speak to my experience growing up where it was getting somebody pregnant or getting an STD. And now having learned that, you know, both of these things can be mitigated. There are precautions that you can take. It's like, why weren't these things taught at a younger age? Because along the way of stumbling, I'm not the only person. I'm sure there were many other people who what they didn't know caused them far more harm and people around them harm than what they could have learned if there just wasn't this discomfort, just like with healthcare providers in talking about sex. Like, how can you talk so freely and openly about cold sores and not be willing to talk about it when it shifts location to the genital region? And I, my a previous partner of mine, we both have oral herpes, and she and I were watching a movie. I can't remember which one it was, and she made a comment. She was like, "Why does the bad guy always have a cold sore?" And I was like, "Damn, no way! Oh my god!" And then we started like listing out other movies where like the villain, the way they make him look gross, right, is to have a cold sore. All right. Welcome back. (laughs) I got a call on Do Not Disturb and one of my people who can get through called. Everything's good. We're good. Um, But yeah, just closing out the conversation about the bad guy uh, being portrayed as a villain and making them look evil and bad um, by giving them a cold sore, as our guest Jesse's partner had pointed out. Um, yeah, we, we can't figure out the movies. We were just talking about that. Like, what movies yeah, are they? Are these, like, are these like low-budget uh, Netflix documentaries where they're walking around and recording everything on the uh, GoPro? <laughs> Probably not. Honestly, like, if, if it was like that, it'd probably be a real herpes, like, outbreak. It's just, like, keeping it. <laughs> I'm thinking uh, I, what immediately comes to mind is Red Skull, how his whole face just... It's like one herpy off of uh, oh Avengers. It's oh just red. God. It's just a red head. Like, oh, well, maybe, you know, that's a reach. That's a reach. Uh, so speaking to the relationship that you had long term with a partner who does have herpes, what was your thought process or decision making process after that person disclosed to you on whether or not you were going to move forward? Because you mentioned earlier that you had a partner who you met on Tinder. It was a short term thing and you were still concerned about your sexual health after that interaction. So between then and this new relationship, obviously, you developed some education. You had some maturity take place. So now bring me to the start of this relationship where this partner disclosed that they do have genital herpes to you. Um, so this person and I really enjoyed each other uh, for quite some time before we'd known each other for maybe nine, ten months before we actually got physical. So there was already a, a pretty deep connection. And so uh, in my mindset at that time, especially, there was more willingness to listen, right? More willingness to maybe take a chance in a sense. Um, and so when we did finally get physical, um, you know, she disclosed beforehand, uh, and I disclosed as well. And, you know, we decided that we had more of a conversation. Was there, uh, you know, medication involved? What were maybe my chances of contracting? Like if I, how how much protection did we need to use? And we just decided, you know, well, we really want to do this. Um, at least we don't have to worry about like, you know, 
uh, oral contact of any sort. Like we were like, okay, well, we're, we're kind of clear on that realm. So let's, we can at least explore and play and, you know, not have any problems. Um, but it was a very extensive conversation for us not having any outbreaks. You know, um, we weren't uh, showing at any point in time, like, uh, but it was, it was just a really healthy conversation. Um, and, you know, we ended up sleeping together and it felt fine. You know, it was a little bit like it was different than the time before because there were feelings there. Right. And it wasn't the first time. Um, and I think, I think that's a big, big one is that like the first experience is always a little bit more jarring. Uh, it, it, Cause you just, it's just something new. You don't know. This could be the one, you know, you hear about that all the time. Someone sleeps with one person and they get herpes, you know? And so it's like, uh, yeah, that, that was a little bit better, and then we continued to have conversations from that point forward, um, you know, and discuss. Once we, like, I, I found later that she actually didn't know statistics on her medication, the chances of me being able to contract it while she was taking medication. Um, and so we looked into that a little bit more and decided to no longer use protection while she was on medication. Um, and then, you know, health insurance, meds run out, uh, we switch back to using uh, protection again. So just being very cautious and aware. Uh, and there was, you know, a couple of times where it's like heat of the moment on vacation or something. And it's like, well, unfortunately we can't, you know, like not being able to have sex was like a thing that was real. Um, and it wasn't just like, oh, we'll just take a chance. Oh, it doesn't really matter, you know? Um, so I think sexual health wise, just a very much more mature and healthy relationship, especially knowing that we both, uh, you know, had a form of herpes. Um, but yeah, much, much more mature. Uh, and I think conversation was a big, big part of that. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Now the communication piece is something that you spoke very, very well to, uh, and thank you for that. I am wondering if there were aspects of the communication outside of herpes. Were there any other hard things that you and your partner had to discuss outside of herpes? Hard things? Yeah. Like, was herpes the most communicative thing that you Uh, had uh, to go back and forth with each other about? um, I'd say in the beginning, yeah. Totally. Um, but as the, prog- the relationship progressed, I mean, that really fell lower on the totem pole. There were more important things, you know, to discuss sexual trauma. You know, that was something that took, you know, the high road as opposed to talking about uh, herpes every time. You know, the conversation of how she possibly contract or no, not possibly how she did contract herpes. That happened way early, you know, because she wanted to share it. She wanted to tell me about this asshole in her life, you know, like, and it was probably getting like some stuff off her chest as well. Um, you know, I didn't ask like, well, how did you get it? Like, I don't need to bring that shit up. And like, um, but you know, that conversation happened and then it didn't need to happen anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, but there, yeah, that it definitely wasn't the most important thing and it didn't need to be a conversation always because it's not going anywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. It's always in the back of our minds. Um, and, I think there is a mutual understanding that there was in that relationship that like we're both like, uh, you know, responsible for our actions in this. And so it's just as much my decision as it is her decision. Right. Um, and so that, 
that conversation was really important early on. But yeah, things just moved past that. You know, it's really it's not that big of a deal <laughs> like you know like in, in comparison to like you know some of the, the sexual trauma that both of us had encountered in our lives like man we talked way more about that and like how to progress our relationship emotionally you know physically we talked way more about that and grew as humans in you know just those those times and those moments together so did the communication about herpes make harder conversations easier to have? Did the communication about herpes make it a harder conversation to have? Is no, that- oh, no, no. Did that make hard conversations easier? I'd say, yeah, totally. Um, that was like, a, you know, the big gatekeeper, you know, that was like the, the giant lock on the door. And once that was unlocked and understood, um, everything else was just you know, it just kind of rolled with it. It just kind of continued easily. Um, I will say, you know, because we talked about herpes, it didn't make other things traumatic in our lives easier to talk about. It just made it, uh, you know, a little bit less, uh, what's the best way to put it? It was easier to navigate conversations that were touchy uh, because we had already overcome a, a larger hurdle, right? I think that that's the, the best way to put it. Um, and so because we're with people that are accepting of who we are and, you know, this this thing that we're put down in, in you know, society for, um, all of a sudden now it's like, well, this person is probably okay with me telling them about this super rough thing that happened, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, maybe I'm okay disclosing some other information that I didn't disclose with previous partners. Um, and, you know, that's kind of where the, the relationship progressed and we got much closer. I'm not saying that we got closer because we disclosed, you know, uh, herpes, but uh, that was definitely a part of it. And so. Uh, what question or questions do you think are good for a person who is trying to figure out if they want to move forward with someone who does have herpes? What can they ask the partner? What can they ask themselves in order to confidently move forward? Um, let's see. As in, what can a person who doesn't have herpes ask their partner? Yeah. Or, okay. The, um, yeah. For like, all right, let me rephrase it. So if you could go back and you had someone disclose their status to you, what are some things that you would ask either that partner or yourself about making the decision to move forward. Okay. Um, so as someone who doesn't have herpes or general herpes, uh, the thing I would ask right off the bat is, um, how adamant am I about my own sexual health? Um, you know, how educated am I with my own sexual health? Am I just jumping into something that I don't have the tools and resources to handle? Uh, later on in my life, um, that's something I would definitely ask uh, because younger me was not very good about sexual health, right? And so I think that is that's something that's that's very important. Um, when I think another question, probably for someone asking their partner, is just kind of the basics, like how often do you get an outbreak? Right. Like, is this a like, what do you know about your symptoms? Like, what do you know about your situation? Because it's almost like betting at that point. Is this person uh, aware or very conscious about their own sexual health as well? 
you know, there's plenty of people you encounter that are like, oh yeah, uh, you know, I'm great at this or I'm great at that. And they're just bullshit, right? They're just talking out their ass. And, uh, especially you add heat of the moment, you add alcohol to the situation. Like someone just might be, you know, giving you a quick little answer and then that ain't the truth, you know? So I think that's something that's very important. It's just kind of getting a gauge of that person that you're, you know, about to engage with, um, getting, getting an idea of what, where they are in their diagnosis, you know, it, like how long have they had this for as if it doesn't really matter in my mind, like how long you've had it, but it does matter how long you've been taking steps to handle it. Right. It makes me feel more confident in this decision that we're making. Um, and so having that communication, if, if someone were to tell me, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal, you know, oh, I just take meds every so often, I'd want to talk more. <laughs> I just would, you know, and I think that's totally fair and valid. Um, it doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, completely push them away. It just means I want to have more, you know, uh, security in that situation. So um, I think those are the two big things that I would personally um, ask for. And yeah, I think that's kind of it for me. Those, yeah, those are the, those are the big ones. All right, perfect. Um, was, was there ever a point where you thought you had genital herpes from your partner or um, were there any fears around it? Did you have any concerns about what if I get genital herpes? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the biggest fear was what if I get genital herpes and we break up? Like, you know, what, what am I going to do? And, you know, it's, it's interesting when you don't have it and you're sleeping with someone who does have it and you start to doubt, right? Like maybe their sexual health, maybe things have changed from when you first started sleeping together. Um, I started to worry like, oh, well, what if she just doesn't disclose this information to me now, you know? Um, and I, in that relationship, I thought I did, uh, get it at one point. Um, but it ended up not being, and I, I don't know if it was ingrowns, it's probably ingrowns, right? <laughs> and so, but me being unaware because I, you know, haven't seen them on myself, right? I didn't know. And so uh, after going to the doctor again, and I, I will say this kind of brings back to uh, what we talked about with medical professionals. When I went, I went to Planned Parenthood this time, and they actually tried to get me not to get tested. And that's the second time I've had someone tell me, well, if you get like false negative or false positives are very common. So if you get this test and you come out positive, but you're not, it'll change your life. Right. And th this is a medical professional telling me this. Just take my damn blood. <laughs> I gave you for a reason. Like, and so, uh, you know, I did push the first time I said no. The second time I did push and I was like, you know what? I just need to know. And when that came back negative, that was just a really positive thing for me in my life where I was like, okay, well now I know. And my partner was also feeling incredibly guilty because I might now have it. And even though we had disclosed that this is okay. Right. And so, um, knowing that and it, it, it kind of like reset us a little bit, right. Things were getting a little bit scary where it was like, Oh, maybe I do, uh, you know, and now I have to live with this for the rest of my life. Right. Uh, but that's a choice I made in the beginning, 
I knew that, you know, when I first like stepped into this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely some scares, but I think that the scares are more due to, um, less confidence and like, um, solid ground in the relationship than it is to like, you know, my own body actually having changes. It's like, now I'm doubting this individual because we probably should be breaking up, <laughs> you know, like that, that's mainly where it was. So, uh, yeah, another lesson and something worth like, you know, remembering and thinking about in the future with, with uh, future partners. Was dating or sex or a relationship with this person who had herpes any different than any other relationship that you've had with someone who hadn't shared a positive HSV status with you before? So was this, uh, was dating relationship or sex different with this person than it would have been with someone who hadn't disclosed? Yeah. Like, have you, are you able to compare experiences with people who haven't shared an STI status or who may not have had herpes in comparison with this person? Yeah. I mean, bad sex is bad sex, you know, (laughs) it is what it is. It has nothing to do with like, you know, disclosure. Um, I will say though, uh, that the people I have slept with that have disclosed that information for me, um, it is raised them on the bar of my respect for them. And, you know, the passion in that sex is there. It has, speaks nothing of their sexual experience, though. So I will say, you know, um, the potential is there for the sex to be different, but it's not always. Uh, but man, is it better to find out before than to hear later on, you know? So um, I don't really think that there is any difference in the relationship or the sex based on positive status or not positive status in regards to human to human interaction, right? Like the, the connection, the love, the care that has nothing to do with it. It's only about sexual health at that point. And that's something that, you know, is it's its own compartment of that relationship and it's just as important as the rest. So it's just, you know, an added thing. Um, but I don't know. I'm in my thirties. Everyone's got baggage, you know, <laughs> and someone's got a divorce. Someone's like, uh, you know, uh, it just some sexual trauma, so just any kind of trauma, uh, or someone has herpes, you know, it just all goes in that same category in my mind. And it's just the way we're able to navigate that. And if we're ready to navigate that, you know, you shouldn't be getting in a relationship if you know, you're mentally unstable and can't handle that. Like, you know, if someone tells you you have herpes, they have herpes and you flip the fuck out, you know, you weren't ready. If someone tells you that, you know, they have some trauma and you flip the fuck out, you still weren't, you weren't ready. So it's, you know, I kind of see it in the same, those same categories. Like, um, so no, I don't see a difference, uh, too much in someone disclosing or someone who has it, someone who doesn't have it. Uh, all right, man, that's perfect. That wraps up, uh, all the questions that I could come up with for you. Is there anything you want to leave us with? just it was so common 
I feel, to hear someone be put down because, like, herpes was the label that was slapped on an individual if they were gross, right? Or if they were a whore, right? Like, that was, like, oh, that person sleeps with everyone. I heard they have herpes. Like, that was the common thing. It's not like, oh, they have gonorrhea. Oh, they have the clap, you know? Or it wasn't anything like that. It was, they have herpes, so, you know, they're labeled, don't touch them, right? Like, and that, thinking back on it, it's just disgusting and sad. And I'm really happy that people like yourself are working so hard uh, to try and change the stigma. Um, and I saw a TikTok recently that was so good. And it was a health professional that was just like, you know, we need to change the narrative around herpes and start calling it herpes, not calling it cold source. And that's like in relation to, uh, you know, when I have oral herpes, because people are giving other people herpes genitally because they think they just have a cold sore. And she made a really, really good point that that is at the highest level, the medical professional level. They're telling people they have a cold sore and letting them go. They need to say you have herpes. You need to know. And then people can, you know, have this conversation, have conversations like you and I, you know, about something that isn't life ending, right? Like I'm going to wake up tomorrow God willing, <laughs> you know, and continue my life. You know, it's not, it's not the end of the world. So, yeah, I just pass that positivity on. All right. Well, thank you for being a part of this, Jesse. I really appreciate you. Um, we'll reconnect when this is going to be uploaded. It's going to be, it's going to be a minute. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, thank you. I appreciate your time. And then, um, yeah, if you have any questions in the meantime, feel free to reach out. Will do. All right, appreciate my man. It. Thank you. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to, share this podcast. www.spfpp.org is where you can learn more about our organization. You can donate, invite me onto your podcast, invite me to your sexual health conference or speaking event. That is going to be an opportunity to bring money into the nonprofit. If you want to be a guest, feel free to reach out. I can be reached on Instagram at H on my chest, or you can email me through the website directly. But I'm most active on Instagram, engaging with people one on one. And there you can also find a lot of uh, like different people who may not want to share their story on the podcast, but want to offer some insights and experiences via DM. I will share anonymous screenshots of those periodically. And that's just H on my chest on Instagram. You can donate today by sending whatever you feel in your heart compelled to uh, to Courtney Brain on Venmo or Cash App. Just put donation in the comments because I also teach yoga classes and those yoga classes are um, the, the, the money goes in there. So I go through and I filter and delegate everything accordingly. But yeah, thank you for being a part of this series and listening to this point. I don't have any more upcoming interviews for this discordant dating series. So this is it. I guess we'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming next week. Thank you for coming along with me for this ride. I cannot thank you enough. Till next time, stay sex positive.